like the Buffalo Bills. What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English, joined by my co-host, Zach Hamill, today for another NBA podcast episode. Zach, how we doing? Good, man. How are you? Good. NBA season is just about to close for the regular season and there are still so many things we don't know about seeding for the playoffs yeah um seems like three four five six both ways is going to be up for grabs and then obviously everyone must stay above seven so what do we got like eight eight games left yeah i mean looking at starting at the east i think the top three is pretty much solidified brooklyn the 76ers and the bucks um, the 76ers in Brooklyn, I think, are the really only two fighting for that top seed. The Bucks would probably have to go on a pretty big run, and then the Sixers in Brooklyn lose a lot of games to even be in that conversation. But, I mean, you look at the Knicks all the way down through the Heat, four through seven, you know, the Knicks have 35 wins, Hawks have 35 wins, Celtics and Heat both have records of 34 and 30, and then the Hornets are still like three games back. Um, Pacers and Wizards are pretty much locked in some way, shape, or form into the play-in because the Bulls and Toronto are both three games back of them. Um, so I think the East bars, the t- top 10 teams are pretty much that. I just think, like you just mentioned, the four through eight in both conferences, especially in the East, is really up for grabs. Um, and then just looking at the schedule, I mean, Miami and Boston play two more times. Those are going to be some huge games for seeding because everyone, like you said, wants to avoid the seven seed. And then I look at the Knicks, they're actually 35 and 28. So they have played two less games than a lot of these teams. But I was looking at their schedule earlier, and you want to talk about brutal. Their last nine games, they have Houston, Memphis, Denver, Phoenix, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Spurs, the Hornets, and the Celtics to end their season. Wow. I don't think you said, I think you said the first team was, a, was Houston, and they're all playoff teams. Yep. Yeah, none of those teams are going to be, like, locked into a spot. So, it's not like they're going to get a night off anywhere. Yeah, so I think the Knicks, if they can, you know, come out of that and still be in a good spot for the playoffs, I think that's going to help them, especially for um, a young team. The West, I think, you know, the Suns and Jazz are going to kind of be going back and forth here. I know the Suns were the new number one yesterday, but then they didn't play yesterday, and the Jazz did, and they won. So, now the Jazz are back at number one. Um, the Nuggets had a good win last night. Um, you know, Clippers and them are right there neck and neck. And I think those top four are pretty much solidified because they're all 43 wins and higher. And then Dallas at fifth is 36. What's really crazy, there's a chance that the Lakers might drop in to one of the playing games, even with LeBron back now, because the Blazers are only one game behind them. Dallas and them have the same exact record. It'd be pretty crazy for the Lakers to go in that spot. But at the same time, I don't think, Anyone in the top, whether that's the Jazz, the Suns, or the Nuggets, wants to be seeing um, the Lakers in the first round. And then the Warriors, I think, are the other team. You know, Steph's been still been going bonkers lately. I don't think anyone wants to see them um, in a first-round matchup either. Yeah, Portland's won a couple convincingly finally. Um, but they've been playing kind of – they've been they've played Memphis. 
on a back to back, and then they played the Nets without Kyrie and Durant. So all, or without Harden and Durant. So with them, we'll see when they start playing playoff teams again, like on the upper echelon, if they've really fixed anything or not. Um, and then the Lakers, yeah, I mean, I just kind of assume that they're going to get it together, but he's going to be rusty. He didn't, you know, him and Davis both are going to need to, and they're they they have kind of like a mixed schedule too. I looked at theirs, and they don't have any really nights off coming up. So, um, but yeah, I agree with you on the Warriors. I, I don't think you want to be playing Steph Curry with your life on the line because um, with the season he's having, he like last night again, he went for like twenty straight points, and, and the game was over. Yeah, and I actually looked at the Blazers' schedule, and their last three games are against the Jazz, the Suns, and the Nuggets to close their season. That actually the, might be okay though, because those three might be okay, might be locked. Yeah, so it'll be definitely. I was just thinking the same thing. They're it either so be, good that they're actually going to miss like the, the they're they're out of the section that we're talking about where it's so competitive. Yeah, and I mean the thing with the Nuggets too, and we'll get into you know, NBA awards. But even since Jamal Murray's went down, I believe after last night, they've won nine of their last 10. Um, yeah, been getting, I mean, if, so, it was, if it was up for debate before who MVP is, it's over now. Yeah. I mean, Jokic has been playing out of his mind. Michael Porter Jr. has been on a little bit of a tear. Yeah. Um, even some of these guys they picked up, like Austin Rivers has been giving them some really good minutes um, off the bench since Murray's injury. Um, and then Aaron Gordon continues to flourish since he's gotten there. I think that's a player they're definitely going to want to um, lock up long term. For sure. I think it's just it shows the value of running an actual system and not um, just relying on talent and iso ball and all that stuff. You know, you come in and, and see what movement can do. And, and you play with a passer like Jokic, I think it encourages guys to move. You know, they've been starting Compazzo and Dozier. They're, like you said, they're nine and one. So they're doing something besides just having the best player. You know, they're they're all they're all playing real basketball. Do you have any bold playoff predictions? Maybe one for the East and one for the West before we move on to NBA awards. Um, I'd like to see where it lines up, but I think I think if the Lakers stick at six, I think they'll lose to the Clippers. Um, and I just think that it's just it's just one of those things where. Everything went right for them last year as far as health goes, and this is a weird year, but I just don't think they're going to be able to get everything back together. And they just haven't looked as dominant um, at any moment as they did last year. And I just think uh, the Clippers lose games here and there, but Kawhi and Paul George have been on fire. And, like, like you could say the same thing with last year, but I just don't feel nearly as, like, comfortable. Because last year there was no home court either, and I know there's no fans, but or there's, like, 30% fans. But I don't think I don't feel nearly as confident in the Lakers as I did last year, even with even with LeBron and AD. And I say that at my own peril, I guess. Uh, for the East, I I think the Nets won't get out. I I thought all year they would, but I didn't. I also thought they'd they go into like the last two months all playing together. This is getting ridiculous at this point because I don't think these guys are really that hurt. I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, that's how the hell would I know? But they're going to run into the Clippers problem from last year where when it comes down to these tight games, they're not going to be comfortable playing with each other and pick up basketball. is not, not going to work. Yeah. I mean, it NBA is always more so than any other sports getting ridiculous in that. I mean, I texted you the other day when I went to the, um, you know, the Raptors versus oh, who are they playing? Uh, 
Oh my god, I'm blanking on who I just went and watched the other day. Um, oh, it was against the Thunder, and you know, Gildas Alexander doesn't play for OKC, he was hurt, but then you know, OG Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Alder Starp, and Van Vliet all didn't play. And like you said, it's getting to a point, it's like Kevin Durant's back for like a game, and now he's sitting again. Harden's been out for so long, and then he randomly tweaks his hamstring or whatever in his rehab process. Kyrie kind of just plays whenever he wants. Like, yeah, it's just getting a little ridiculous. Um, my bold prediction for the East is depending on how things line up, I think, and also depending on how they play their last nine, like I just talked about, I think the Knicks are going to make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Wow. I like the way Thibodeau's coaching. I know they're a young team. I just think if they're able to find the right matchups, because, I mean, like, if they're looking at it right now, they're playing – they'd be playing the Hawks in the first round. I think they win that series. Um, and then, you know, maybe they can get lucky and knock off a Bucks or a Brooklyn team. I think a Knicks-Brooklyn series would be really intriguing to watch. Um, like I said, I think it all depends on, you know, where they lie. But I think they've been one of the best teams lately in the NBA, along with the Nuggets. And then with the West, um, I don't know what it is, but I don't see – I don't know why. I just have a gut feeling that the Jazz aren't going to make it to the Western Conference Finals. Um, I don't know why I think that. I just think for some reason it's just like a gut feeling instinct. And I just want to see them get – you know, they got knocked out last year by the Nuggets in seven. Um, you know, Mitchell's going to be coming off of it a bad ankle injury, so we're not to see. I know they've been playing okay lately without him, but um, I just don't see them making it to the West Finals. Also, just another quick note, when we're thinking about last year with the bubble, I don't, you know, as the season's progressed, I don't think it's a coincidence um, that the Lakers and the Heat have struggled a lot this year because, I mean, they go all the way to the Finals, and this year, both teams are struggling really badly. And I think I started to wonder how much, you know, not having that long offseason, adding some new pieces, and then just the injuries and COVID and everything that both teams have dealt with. I don't think that it's a coincidence that both of them have really struggled this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, it seems like uh, Tatum was struggling with that with that in the back half of the year, and he's just starting to come out of it, with, especially the other day. Um, yeah, that's why I kind of, like, I'll, it's been, there's enough of a sample size to criticize this year and, and make predictions on this year. But as soon as next season starts, I'll kind of reserve judgment on anything that happened this year just because it was so weird. Yeah, for sure. Um, so moving on to our NBA awards. So we'll go through here, you know, one by one. I know we kind of just touched on it. I think it's a consensus now. I think Jokic has got to be the MVP, right? Yeah, and, the, and he played every night. He's having, like, one of the best offensive seasons ever for a big man. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. And then, you know, if you flipped him and if you look at the roster he's playing with, especially now, I think it's one of the worst ones in the playoffs if you take him off of it. Um, I, I don't think it's close. I mean, if, if Embiid played every night, maybe it'd be close. But Embiid's playing with two, you know, all-star level players. I guess Harris is, is on the border, but you know what I mean. And then um, I just think, and like, and, and like, we're, we were just 
you know, complaining about guys not playing. Jokic plays every single night, and they play in elevation. Like, he could easily make up something and, and take games off, and he never does it. Yeah, I think before when we kind of last had this conversation, Embiid was right there neck and neck with them. Harden was there. Dame was there. Even Steph over the last, you know, little bit here. But like you said, Jokic, since the Jamal Murray injury, he stepped up a ton, um, playing in a tougher conference in the East has dominated and, like you said, has had one of the most historically dominant seasons for a big man, you know, probably since, like, what, maybe Shaq's last MVP? Yeah, seriously. Unless you count Giannis as one, but I, I don't know. He's different. He's not, like, a like a back-to-the-basket kind of guy, so he's I don't consider him in the same vein. Yeah, I think if Embiid didn't get hurt in, earlier in the year and he played the same amount of games as Jokic, I think it'd be really close, but I just don't see um, how Jokic doesn't get it. What about coach of the year for you? Um, God, it's a toss-up, I think. If you went with Monty or Tibbs, I wouldn't hate you for it because they both are way higher than anyone else would think going in. If Phoenix gets the one seed, I think that might be the driving thing that gets it. I would pick Tibbs, I think, because I thought they were going to be terrible. Like, I thought the Suns would get, would fight for a playoff spot with Paul. You know, I didn't think they'd run through the West like they're doing. But I really thought the Knicks would be, were, like, playing for the number one pick in the draft. So, I guess i go with Thibodeau. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my preseason, Monty Williams. Um, you know, the Suns have been playing really well. I know, like you just said, Chris Paul – Getting there obviously is going to be a help. I just think, you know. Yeah, I guess Chris Paul, a good Chris Paul coach of the year. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree with you. Tibbs was my second as well. I mean, what he's done. And then Um, Snyder's up there. Um, You know, I I think Steve Nash has to be considered. I know no one wants to, but he doesn't know who's playing every night. Like walking into the stadium and they win every night. Yeah. Um, And then I had, there's a fifth one I was thinking of the other day to fill out the ballot. Maybe Taylor Jenkins. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of guys that could come next, but I think those, I think Snyder, Monty, and, and Tibbs are the guys that are clearly the one, two, three. Yeah, and I think it's just funny, too, because Quinn Snyder's always, I think he. we've talked about it before when we were going through, you know, top five, six coach in the NBA. He's always right there at that five and six marks. And, like, the first year, you know, he gets them all the way up to a number one seed And now, you know, even with Mitchell getting hurt, they're playing well. And there's still other guys that are going to possibly and more than likely get chosen over him, which is kind of insane to think about because he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. Um, What about rookie of the year? Because I think this is a little bit interesting with LaMelo coming back now for the last stretch of, you know, seven, eight games here. I don't – Halliburton's been playing really well lately since Fox got hurt. But they're not winning the way that I think Bello make like impacts Charlotte's like ceiling right now. Like I also think Mello plays with good players and with a good coach though too. So I'm not gonna hold that. And Anthony Edwards is having a really fun season. He's they, like since since the Timberwolves made that weird coaching switch that like I've never seen before, they've been like really competitive. I think they I think all their fans wanted like a huge pick again, but I think it might it might be better to go into next year knowing you have like a system that works and you know, Edwards, Russell, and Towns might actually fit together, and I didn't think that was possible two months ago. But Edwards is probably the th- probably third. Um, if Lamelo finishes the year and they make the playoffs, I think I'd, I'd go Lamelo one, Halliburton two. 
Yeah, I had the same thought. I thought it was really hard to not give it to LaMelo because even when he went out, other than Edwards, you know, Halbert, and like you said, has been playing, you know, a lot better since Fox went out. Like you said, the winning thing is always going to be a contributing factor, and the Timberwolves have been so bad. Same thing with the Kings. They're, like, barely holding on from being officially eliminated from the playoffs. And the Hornets have been really competitive. I mean, you know, I think their roster is better than a lot of people think, but it's not like he's playing with a bunch of superstars or anything. Um, but I just find it hard not to give it to him, especially if in these last, you know, seven, eight. Do you see that underhand assist he had last night? Yeah. That was he insane. just sees it like nobody else does. He's already better than his brother, I think. Yeah. And Lonzo went off last night as well. Yeah, that was a crazy game. Yeah, Pelicans are, like, holding on by the skin of their teeth. They're two games behind the Spurs for that 10 spot. Um, I yeah, think they're kind of the done. Spurs blew a 30-point lead there, right? Insane. Yeah, Tatum was unreal in that game. Um, I think we're going to have the same for Defensive Player of the Year. I might be wrong, but who do you got? Simmons, then Gobert. Yep, I have the exact same. If there was an award for help Defender of the Year, I would give it to Gobert. But like if if you notice guys who've guys who have played don't falter on this at all. Like I think analytics is is very valuable. I would never in a million years be like stat nerds or, or say something disparaging like that. But there is like a thing that I've noticed that people don't realize how hard it is to like guard the perimeter versus just protect the rim. If you're seven feet like it's an incredibly valuable thing to have, but go bear seven feet tall. You know, Simmons is guarding one through five every night, switching every single screen, doing it well. Like watch when Rudy when Rudy Rudy will switch on to guards, but then he'll get embarrassed like he did by Booker the other night, or get played off the court like he did by Harden in a couple like couple playoffs in a row. And I'm and you know he's he's an awesome defender. I would never say he's not. Like people pick on him a little bit too, bit too much because something I don't like is like well he'll do that because he's actually trying hard. He'll get like turned around or something like that, and then he'll get clowned on. Or a guy who will challenge a dunk at the rim and get postered, and then he's like a punchline, and, and it really discourages guys from trying hard on defense. I think you know what I mean. But I'm glad they do it. But at the same time, I don't see Ben Simmons get turned around like that ever. <laughs> and I just think um, – I think Simmons leads the best defense. I know the Lakers by the numbers are the best defense, but Embiid hasn't played all year. And I think – I think Philly has the best defense in the league led by Simmons. Yeah, I completely agree. Like you said, I think the ability by of Simmons to defend the perimeter makes him a more valuable – defender for the team than Gobert who's kind of just in the paint like you said when he goes out. You especially notice it in playoff situations too I think when you have to guard you have to take best players out of the game. That's when you need a guy like Simmons and a guy like Kawhi Leonard. Yeah and I think a few other guys that you know if they I think injuries and just the way the teams have played this year that their names aren't as high for defensive player of the year. I think Drew Holiday is one of the best defenders in the league and is regarded by a lot of players as the best defender I mean, if you've talked to Lillard, Durant, all those guys said he is, but he's been he's banged up for a little bit, and then he had COVID, um, and the Bucks have just been so good that he half the time he's sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter because they've been running some teams off the court. Right. I think the other one's Bam. I mean, Bam, similar to Simmons, not nearly as good of a defender, but he's the same as far as he can switch out and guard all five and be on the perimeter and not get embarrassed, but he's been banged up most of the year. Miami just hasn't been that good, and their defensive numbers aren't great. But he's another one that I think his name deserves to be like at least in the conversation. But I think Simmons is definitely the front runner by far. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I could and I could say Kawhi for like every award, you know, at least to be on like the top five. But 
I'm kind of just tossing him, Durant, and Harden out for everything. We can talk differently maybe when the All-NBA comes around because there's three teams. But I just – not this year. There's too many guys who had, too, had good years for me to put any of those three guys on. And if they were actually hurt, you know, you have my apologies. And then most improved in six-man, I think, are the two biggest locks, even more so, I think, than Jokic MVP, in my opinion at least. I don't know if you feel the same, but I have Julius Randle for most improved and Jordan Clarkson for six, man. I think that's who it will be, but I still stick to the fact that I think Ingles does more for the Jazz than Clarkson does. I don't think it's just pure numbers. And, like, honestly, if you get into advanced stuff, Jingles is better. Um, I would actually pick him. I would pick Ingles over Clarkson, but I'm totally with you on Randle. And if Clarkson wins, I won't have an issue with it. Hey, you know who's a name, though, who's sneaky six-man just to be, like, in the top five that I think is pretty cool, and I think I want to mention him? Do you have any guesses? Um, He's on a playoff. He's on a very bottom playing team right now, but they're in the playoffs. Uh, um, Is he on the Hornets? No, you're close, though. I don't know. TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell, okay. Yeah. He's been awesome, dude. He's been really, really good. He's been way better than I ever thought he would be in the league. Yeah, he's he's played really good this year. Yeah, I could I could get behind it. I think he's definitely in that conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, Randall, I don't know how he doesn't win most improved. I think at the beginning of the year, the way Christian Wood started the year, it was him for a while, but then he had gotten hurt and the Rockets are just so bad. Right. Um, Jeremy way, Grant was in there for a while. Up, the way Randall has kept his shooting percentage up all year, and he's not shooting like two a game. He's shooting like eight threes a game, and he's he keeps getting higher. Like yeah, it's not it's like, not a fluke. Yeah, he's shooting like forty three percent or something ridiculous from three, isn't he? Yeah, and every night it's like four percent. Then you know he's not just shooting wide open threes. He's leading the offense. He's shooting step backs. Like I mean, if you're waiting for it to drop off, I don't think it's going to. Maybe it will next year, but. He just he hasn't gone to and he's making he's playmaking, he's playing defense, he's doing all the things like he he was maybe gonna do as a draft pick, but I think people gave up on all that shit. And when he was in the Lakers, he showed flashes in New Orleans that one year, but you know I don't think you know Knicks fans were bummed when they paid him that contract. They were like, oh, we thought you were gonna get a big fish. He, if you put him in the MVP bottom of the ballot, I wouldn't even be surprised. You know, I think he's all an All NBA player this year. Yeah. Um, like you yeah, had them I think, go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Who would have thought? And it's it's led by him. Yeah, I think he's definitely got to be an All NBA team player. I think he'll probably get thrown on like the third team just because that's how it's going to go. They'll probably still put yeah. guys that missed like half the season in first and second team, which is ridiculous. But whatever. Right. Um, the only so I'm with you. I you I mean you and me have went back and forth in this on text about Ingles and Clarkson at length. The only reason I would say Clarkson deserves six man more than Ingles is because Ingles has started 20 games for them this year. So I don't know if that's going to like discredit him. Yeah, actually you're right. It might, because with the Mitchell injury, he might go over the quota. Yeah. Cause I was looking at it before. And I think he started like 22 out of like 57 or eight games or whatever it is. But no, I, I mean, I'm with you. I think Ingles is a more valuable player to the team, but Clarkson's just been unreal for them this year. Just, coming off the bench every night and basically just giving you 15 to 20. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think they have three guys in those two in Yang that could start on a lot of bad teams in the NBA and make them a lot better, like, overnight. 
Yeah, Joe Ingles is one of my favorite players in the league. He is he is just great. He was on the long shot Duncan Robinson's podcast, and the conversation with him was just so funny. He's I, just, I such... feel like every shot he takes is going in. I really do. It looks, yeah. Every single one looks good. And then um, to close the show today, I just kind of want to talk about the Suns a little bit because I think Devin Booker is a player that, for a while, people have known that he's like a good up and coming player, like all star. But I think he deserves to start being mentioned with, you know, the Tatum's, the Bams, the Donovan Mitchells of the world as like the next superstar player. And I don't think until this year his name was in that conversation. I mean, the past two seasons before this year, he was averaging 26.6 points per game. And I think some people thought with Chris Paul coming, Aiton continuing to develop and, you know, getting Jay Crowder that maybe his, you know, numbers would go down a tiny bit, but he's still at 25.5 points this year with four rebounds and four assists a game. I mean, he's just been unreal. Yeah, and I think people just assumed he was going to end up being like a chucker, and he really doesn't shoot a lot of bad threes. He actually takes a lot of pull-ups. He gets to the rim. He gets to the foul line more than I thought he would. He plays defense. I think Chris Ball's rubbed off on him in a really good way. Um, I just – everything about what they've done has been – Forever, it took it was taking way too long in Phoenix, and now it's like accelerated way faster than I thought it would. You know, like I think before the year, I was like, the Suns shouldn't do anything else stupid besides Chris Paul. I was like, don't remember, I was like, don't risk future assets because it's not going to happen for you this year. And I was wrong. Um, they're here, they're they're in driver's seat for the one seed, and it's you know, Chris Paul is going to get a lot of love, but Booker, I think if you look at all NBA guards this year. He should probably be one of the six, or he could be. You know, if it's Steph, Luca, Dame, Chris Paul, Kyrie, and then him. I don't know if I'm missing anybody that would pass him. And I mean, you could you could argue about it, but he's. I've never thought he was even close to like being an All NBA guy before. And this year, I think he should make it. Maybe Donovan Mitchell, but I think he could. He maybe has been good, as good or better than Mitchell this year. Yeah, and I mean, you and me just did our under twenty five you know, rankings a few weeks ago. And I think over the last couple of weeks, I've watched maybe four or five full Suns games because they've been on national TV a lot. And he, every time I've watched their games, he's just been unreal. His ability to get, you know, just inside the three point line and then use like one or two like combo moves and get behind the three and drain threes in people's faces or like, he's really developed that like kind of turn spin away fade away like long mid-range two um and like you said i think he's getting to the free throw line a lot better and i think chris paul has rubbed off him in a good way because i noticed him multiple times um the other day i want to say it was against the clippers where he had some really good defensive possessions on paul george and i didn't think he was like that good of a defender not saying he's elite by any means but he's been you know a lot better than i thought he was yeah, no, I'm with you, man. Like, I just they're just a pleasure to watch. I never thought that they'd be this good. They get good shots. I mean, every every single we've talked about this before. Every single team this summer should be looking to sign Jay Crowder. Something that he, some kind of magic potion he has wherever he goes. Yeah, really, he is. He's just the perfect three and D guy. He's willing to talk, engage, and you know, trash talk and everything. And he's a good leader and guy to have um, in your locker room. And I actually want to ask you one more question. I got in this questions from uh, the old man and three with JJ Reddick. They had 
um, Duncan and a comedian on the other day. And the question was, would New York, so, you know, just in general, would be more, the question was, would they be more excited for a New York Knicks first round series win or a Nets NBA finals win? And they took a poll and more people said that they'd be more happy for a Knicks series win than the Nets winning a title. I think in New York it would for sure. I think across the country there's a lot of Nets fans because people, like a lot of younger kids follow players, I think, more than teams, you know. But in the actual city of New York, I, th- I think for sure, I think it would be mayhem. That's why I think they, they really, really need to hang on to the Hawks because I think I think if they slip to Miami or Boston, it could be trouble. Because just because I'm not sure, like, I think that these teams will really start trying harder. I mean, I've been saying that all year, and they really have, they haven't. But uh, I think in the playoffs, you know, top top tier talent really rises to the top. I just don't know how many guys the Knicks have, but I'm I'll be rooting for them. Yeah, I mean, if you look at them versus the Hawks, who on the Hawks is really? I mean, I know they have John Collins and Capella, but I don't think those two pose as much of a threat defensively compared to a Tatum or Bam Adebayo guarding Randall. Right, and I think. I think Trey's just a good target, a playoff target. So you can you, you know exactly what you're going to do every single time down. And I don't know what I, – I'm excited to see what Atlanta does about that because they have a defensive-minded coach who's pretty creative. But McMillan's also pretty much a – he's been – his whole career he's been like an overachieving regular season and then losing the first round. So I, I don't – I'm Atlanta doesn't scare me. Is my yeah, point. they're going to do the exact same thing they did to Miami last year in the finals, just find wherever Hero Robinson was except with Trey Young and expose him defensively. Right, and Duncan's been really good lately too. So, yeah, man, um, he, I, that's another guy where I, every time he shoots, I'm like, it's going. You see that thing I sent you yesterday? The quickest he's the quickest player to ever reach, or youngest player to ever hit 500, or quickest to get to 500 threes. Yeah, he's he's a guy too that leads the league in, in having his defender hang his head because the guy will be like, oh, I fucking took my eyes off him for one second. And then there he is with the ball. Like, as soon as he releases the ball, so many times the guy he, that he's guarding him knows he's about to get pulled out of the game because he lost track of him for one second. Yeah, there he is insane shooter. He's He's got to be a top five, six shooter in the league for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if you take away, like, getting your own shot, he's probably won. Just as, just as, just as, like, Steph is more creative and makes more shots like more types of shots, but as far, as far as just like catching and shooting, I think, I think he is the purest jumper in the league. Yeah. It's I think just muscle memory for him. Like he gets, and like, if he needs to get it off quick, it's just out. Yeah. I and mean, yeah, I mean, he does that whole catch high, keep high thing where like he catches the ball and he doesn't even like dip his arms at all. He like, he catches and just throws it. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a guy that I'm, he's going to get paid. Yeah. He's going to get a nice check for sure. Like, you saw what Bertrand's got. He's a lot better than that. I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. We will be back in a couple of weeks when, you know, playoff seating's pretty much going to be set. We'll probably get to talk um, some first round matchups and kind of go through. Hopefully, you know, maybe we can do a whole bracket against one another and see how that um, turns out. I'm still really praying that somehow the Blazers can play the Clippers just so I can see Dame versus Patrick Beverly um, and Paul George. But you know, we'll see. We'll have some other stuff to uh, talk about as well, you know, with injuries and stuff, players finally starting to come back. Um, But yeah, we'll talk again in a few weeks.
Yeah, I mean, Portland could uh, could pass L.A., so it's not that far out of possibility. But I'll talk to you then, man. Yep, sounds good, Zach. See ya. These guys are good. Scary good. What a connection. Allen and Diggs. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs>